You're listening to ADHD Diversified, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, MJ, a Canadian-born Asian with ADHD. Here on ADHD Diversified, we're not just sharing stories, we're diversifying the voices, the experiences, and the way we share those stories. We know ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. But how we navigate with our ADHD, if it gets recognized at all, can be determined by our environments, upbringing, and culture, especially in underrepresented communities. It's not just about awareness, it's about opening the conversation and turning awareness into acceptance. Because, no matter who we are or where we are from, we are all allowed to ADHD in the unique ways that we do. So, if you have ADHD and you're wondering where you fit in, you're in the right place. Find out more on our website at ADHDdiversified.ca. Anyway, transitions are hard, so enough with the intro and let's jump in. Another episode. This is actually happening. Uh, FYI, I have no idea what I'm doing. So in my first episode, I went into a bit of a rambling jumble of the thoughts and feelings I was trying to get out of my head. But hey, I suppose that's all part of the process, right? Okay, anyway, I'm going to make a long circle back to a part of the story where... The first domino was dropped that led to the creation of this podcast. It's also been a big reason why I wanted to do this. After all, there must have been something that triggered all of this, right? And I think it's one of the most crucial and significant parts of anyone's ADHD journey. And that is being seen. So I can't recall the first instance I'd heard the term ADHD, But at the time, I'm pretty sure it was still widely known as ADD. Again, there was still that running joke that I could have been a little ADD, but it was still just a joke, I think. (laughs) So anytime it was brought up, I wondered, then denied, then wondered, then denied again. After all, it had been almost, I dare say, indoctrinated in me that their quote-unquote wasn't anything wrong with me. I was apparently just lazy and just needed to try harder. Seriously, that solution isn't really a solution. I mean, okay, in theory it could be, but way easier said than done, especially for ADHD brains. So after years of that same message being repeated to me over and over and over and over, it just became my inner narrative. There's nothing wrong with you, MJ. Just try harder. Now I know there wasn't anything wrong with me. But the word wrong within that phrase, it just stuck with me. And I'm sure it's still kind of stuck with many of us. Because as ADHDers, the phrase just try harder doesn't work. Well, at, at the very least, it's not motivating, that's for sure. And in my experience, as some of my Filipino aunties would say, 
Hi, why can't you just be like, uh, you know, your ate? Because if you were, you would be so much better, huh? Be a good student, be successful. Get good grades, be successful. If you're not a good student, then you won't be successful. You know, my daughter has really good grades and she's younger than you. Don't you want to be successful? Don't you want to be a good example? You could have nice car, nice house. For reference, Ate in Tagalog means like older sister, or we use it out of respect for someone who is older than us. Anyway, the point is, there was so much I was told that just didn't resonate with me. It's as if I was expected to idealize a certain lifestyle and present myself in such a way that would make me a quote-unquote better example. And yeah, that's everywhere. I totally get that. I mean, yes, we want to be good examples, and yes, we want to be successful. Who doesn't? But the problem isn't with being successful or being a good example. The issue is how it's defined by every culture, different societies, and the norms that we're expected to reach and maintain. So for me, um, the surrounding definitions of good example weren't on my radar. And I think for a lot of us, a major definition of success is still so heavily portrayed as having lots of money, having a title or letters around our names, uh, have a really expensive piece of paper or two or three that says we went to school, then own a big house, maybe a luxury vehicle and other stuff. You know, the milestones we hit and the things we can show just to prove in some way that we've made it. It just didn't feel right to me. Well, actually, mostly felt unattainable to me. I mean, yeah, it works for some, and it's not a bad thing, nor do I believe there's anything wrong with spoiling ourselves from time to time. But if we all followed the same path, well, the world would be pretty dull, I think. The things I had passion for and other things I had a talent for were different. My thought processes were different are different. Ha, <laughs> thanks ADHD. Besides, success is in the eyes of the beholder, right? And because I was very aware that I was different in some way, you know, the whole undiagnosed with ADHD at the time thing, well, I ended up distancing myself from pretty much my entire community. I dreaded facing the questions or comments I knew were coming my way like at every social gathering. It just kind of became a pattern. And if I didn't give an answer that was pleasing to the other party, well, I was met with either more questions or I'll just say comments that were not particularly encouraging. So the gist of it all is different meant wrong. Comparison became competition, or in my case, not even close to a competition. Like, why compare me anyway? I fully acknowledge that all of this is very prevalent in many societies and cultures around the world. And for me and other neurodiverse brains in many underrepresented communities, any difference, shortcoming, or pushback to a cultural norm can potentially mean you get pushed out or you become the scapegoat. Um, it can even mean like you can't even come back if you have forged a different path. For those of us who are already wondering where we do fit in, that can be terrifying. 
we don't fit in here, we don't fit over there, so now what? Where do we go from there? So why walk away and distance oneself if the possibility exists that we may not find a place of belonging or lose our family or not find community? Well, for me, that all started when exclusion already began rearing its ugly head. See, like when you walk into a room and it suddenly gets quiet, then everyone glances over at you and greets you with like a somewhat feeling sorry for you tone. You just, you kind of pick up on that and you just know. Oh, and of course, when people tell it to your face that you're just odd or weird or why can't you just... Or the worst? Oh, I heard that you... Dot, dot, dot. And insert negative or judgmental comment here. Yeah, if this has happened to you, you know this doesn't feel great. So thank goodness I made the decision to just kind of walk away because if I didn't, there's a high probability that I wouldn't be here right now. Honestly, I'd probably just keep trying to meet the status quo of what it means to be part of the whole model minority thing and pursuing things that I just didn't want for myself. There's no doubt, though, that it was pretty isolating and it was really lonely. And it hurt knowing that I was kind of the brunt of taking on all the weird like, being the face of weird, but not in a good way. All right, the scapegoat. Duh. So as deliberate as the choice was to separate from that part of my life I'd grown up with, there was a huge part of me that still wanted to fit in somehow, but it just wasn't worth the effort anymore. How many of us have been there before? For me, it wasn't worth sacrificing the person I was and who I wanted to be, nor was it worth the pain of always falling short and always being compared to and always being invalidated. Seriously, you can only hear just try harder or just be like this person so many times until you've had enough. I mean, what kind of room does that leave for, well, anyone to become themselves? After all, one path isn't right for everyone. Right? Anyway, now I'm all fired up, so let's move on to 2019. That was the year that really kicked this off. The year I got diagnosed three times in the same year. Yep. I don't know, maybe it makes up for the times my ADHD should have been obvious, and I'm still laughing about it, but how did that happen? Well, my partner um, also has ADHD, um, except he was diagnosed before we were even together. <coughs> he is Caucasian, and I am Asian. And while we grew up in the same city, the cultural norms that surrounded us were pretty different. He already had a pretty good knowledge base about ADHD, though. Um, there were even books on his shelf about it. Spoiler alert, I don't know that he's actually read them. Neither have I. Thank you, internet. <laughs> Anyway, I, I never thought anything of it since he was super cool about talking about his ADHD. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. All right, awesome, cool. And truthfully, I wasn't surprised. There's a backstory there, but that's for another day. 
And it wasn't until he brought up his own observations of me a few years into our relationship, I might add. He wasn't like, oh, you're MJ and you must be ADHD. Um, uh. <laughs> okay, wait, where was I going with this? Right. Okay, yeah. It wasn't until he said something to me that I actually took the possibility of having ADHD like semi-seriously. So his observations, and excuse me if I sound like a broken record, but here we go. Cupboard doors left open, missing lids, leaving laundry in the washing machine, forgetting at least one thing every time I left the house, socks everywhere, more lids, more caps, half-finished beverages everywhere, not taking a half-empty mug of old tea that's been sitting on the coffee table for a week, yet managing to clear the dishes from the dinner table. Seriously, how? I mean, just a few things, right? I didn't associate any of those with having ADHD. Those were just everyday things for me. Some I was aware of. Others I just, well, I thought everyone does that, right? Yeah, I was that asshole who said everyone does that. What I didn't understand was that it was about the frequency of those things. Seriously, cupboard doors, still, daily. And right now, there's three mugs and a glass sitting on my desk. Uh, okay. And laundry? I don't even want to admit how often I've had to rewash something just because I'd forgotten it and it got like all mildewy and stuff. You won't hear it, but I'm about to press pause on this recording so I can go put a blanket in the dryer and maybe take these mugs up. Okay, now that that's done. Um, what really got me thinking though, as I began and continue with this journey is a component of ADHD called emotional dysregulation. What is that? Well, according to an article on Attitude Magazine by Dr. Russell Barkley, he writes about um, emotional impulsivity being absolutely central to ADHD. And he writes about it as an impulsive expression of raw emotions and poor self-regulation of strong emotions. Uh-oh, that makes sense. So if I'm reflecting back on the years before my diagnosis, there are a lot of moments I'm not proud of. I was quick to anger, quick to frustration, and if any frustration, big or small, put me over even the slightest edge, I would either completely blow up short of breaking a window or go into a complete shutdown. And after years of being told, you're too much, or you're not enough, or you're a screw-up, it just, it really turned me into an angry person who just had enough. Not only that, but I had no belief in myself anymore. I felt defeated. I was no longer labeled just a terrible Asian, because, you know, bad grades and dropping out and stuff. I was the Asian dropout and the angry Asian girl. There was only so much I could keep internalizing until I couldn't hold it in anymore. Day after day, masking, pretending, trying to show the world that I was normal in some capacity. It's exhausting. And behind all of that, I just wanted someone to see me and at least try to understand. If I didn't understand what the issue was, then there must have been someone out there who did, right? And I think that's something we all desire. 
So my lack of emotional control was something my partner was quick to recognize. But the main difference here was that it wasn't recognized in the really negative ways it had been before. You know, like when people say, you're crazy, you must need mental help, which I have been the brunt of. Um, he would just hear me, listen to me, and he'd let me know the feelings would pass. What I felt in the moment was 100% okay, and that everything was going to be okay. Up until that point, I don't think I'd ever heard that before. Not ever. I even fought it. And like, why would I do that? Wouldn't I be accepting of it? Well, I think for a lot of us, we're so used to being misunderstood that hearing anything other than one of the many negative things we've heard before is unusual. And I was still convinced at the time that I was just a total nut job. Because again, in much of the Asian community, we don't talk about a lot of emotional stuff, if at all. And just in my own personal experiences anywhere and almost everywhere, well, if I did talk about it, I was called crazy. Not helpful, constructive, or useful. So hearing for the first time in my life that what I was feeling was actually okay, that took me a while. And again, I fought it on more than one occasion. As crappy as my own inner narrative was, that was my belief that I was just dumb and stupid. And every time that was challenged with something positive, I resisted. But eventually, it was with every small acknowledgement and every tiny word of encouragement that slowly began to ease what I felt to be the weight of my self-perceived mediocrity lift from my shoulders. He didn't see someone who was supposed to be a certain way just because of how I look. And he didn't have the bias of, well, she's Asian, so she can't have ADHD. What he did see was someone who was struggling and someone who shared a lot of the same struggles he did. He just saw a person, a human being with a different brain. Me. I guess... The point of this long-winded story is that I was just waiting for someone to see me, to try and understand what my brain was doing, or even just to listen without trying to fix me. It took someone else, and specifically someone I trusted, to become a mirror of sorts, to show me that I wasn't alone in my struggles and that being different was okay. Hearing positive things from someone else, it slowly allowed me to give myself permission to not have to live in the pits of shame and guilt of something that wasn't my fault. Until then, I really had never allowed myself the permission to be vulnerable in that way. It took the right person, someone who wouldn't judge me or make me feel bad about who I was and the things I've done or haven't done, to show me what giving myself permission looked like. Permission. That was the domino that started it all. And now we're here. So I hope that as we continue on this journey together, that this can serve as a mirror for you. And I really hope that you can give yourself permission to just be you, to open up and to be yourself. 
And if you're still going along that journey, I really hope that that one gesture can be your first domino into whatever is to come next for you. I'll see you next time. Hey friends, it's MJ again. We've come to the end of today's show, but if you're still here, thanks for hanging out. Head over to our website to find show notes and additional resources for today's episode. You can find that at adhddiversified.ca. There, you'll also find the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan, and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb. And keep your ears open for another new addition to the Rewired Podcast Network. Check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maybin, coming soon to a podcast player near you. You can find all of us at ADHDdiversified.ca. Join me and the rest of the ADHD Rewired Podcast family for a live Q&A every second Tuesday of the month. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events to register. You can subscribe to ADHD Diversified on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite shows. If you want to support diversity in neurodiversity, share this podcast with your friends, family, and whoever you think needs to hear our message. Who knows, maybe someone's self-advocacy just might start here. If you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast app where you can leave ratings and reviews. Remember, ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. We all have a story, we all have a voice, and no matter who we are or where we are from, we can come together to share our unique experiences. Let's keep the conversation going, because there is diversity in neurodiversity. Thanks again for being on this journey with me, and we'll talk to you in the next one.